You know our slogan around here is better practice, better life. But we're taking this belief to the next level. And we've recently announced the creation of a new association. It's called the Best Practices Association. Our association celebrates the mindset that is better practice, better life. This mindset celebrates time, healthy living, personal growth, clinical excellence, and impacting the lives of your patients and your team through intentional leadership. In fact, we are the work-life balance experts in dentistry. The BPA will coach independent dental practices like yours to thrive by sharing best practices and operational habits, behaviors, systems, tools, and insight that lead to profitability and sustained growth, and you can still have a life. So if you're a dentist that wants to surround yourself with great thinkers, let us help you create your own version of Better Practice, Better Life. Go to actdental.com forward slash BPA or hit the link in the show notes. Yo, yo, yo. Hey guys, welcome back to another awesome, awesome, awesome edition of the Best Practices Show podcast. You ever thought to yourself, I wonder if my periodontal protocol is working? Like how would I even know if it's working? What are the KPIs? What should I be looking at? Well, if you have that question, we're going to answer that today with Miranda Beeson. She's an amazing coach here. We like to call her the solutionist. And she put together an amazing outline of three KPIs that you can look at with your team to know if it's working and what to do about it. We also have some downloads for you that you can download, that you can use with your team. So make sure you listen to this podcast. Actually, send this podcast to your hygiene team and say, I was inspired. Let's have a conversation about this in a month. It'll help you guide the conversation. Our job is to help you create a better practice and better life. So listen up. I know you guys will enjoy it and we'll see you soon. Welcome back to the Best Practices Show podcast. You know, one of the things that you're probably wondering is, I don't know if my periodontal protocol is working. You ever thought that? Well, today we're going to challenge your periodontal protocol and see if it is working with an amazing coach we have on our team. Her name is Miranda Beeson, and we call her the solutionist. Miranda, thanks for being on. Hi, thank you so much for having me again. I love having you on. Now, I already said this because we do a little pre-show. I'm just going to, I'm going to bring you guys into the studio here. She's actually in her house on the other side of the country and I'm in my studio. And so here's what we do. Like we're, we're totally geeks on CE stuff. So whenever I do a podcast with Miranda, she sends me this extensive outline with bullet points and, you know, procedure codes. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I feel like I'm taking a test. And I've got the answer key. And so if you're listening to this podcast, I'm going to give you the same gift she gave me in my inbox. So go down to the show notes. If you're not taking notes, don't worry. We want to help you. We want you to create a better practice, better, better life. You're going to see two links. You're going to be, you're going to see the link to the previous podcast that Miranda and I shot, which you have to listen to. That'll kind of set up the philosophy for this. That's number one. And number two, the second link will actually be the the, 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 the notes, the answer key. And what you can do is print it off and bring it to a team meeting and say, team, let's get together on this. You do a fraction of what's on this answer key. I'm telling you, things will get better. 
So Miranda, thank you so much. So I feel like I don't have to introduce you anymore because you're just, you're just bringing value, but let's go to the why on. Okay. So wait, 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 back up, back. I'm so excited. I'm getting way ahead of ourselves today. The title, (laughs) I didn't even talk about the title. The title of this podcast is three KPIs to know your periodontal protocol is working. Can you explain that? Absolutely. So if we put something into place, strategies around creating a periodontal protocol in the office, that's great. But it really doesn't mean much if we don't know if it's actually working. Are team members following through? Are we getting the response from patients that we want? So we want to know if those protocols are working so that team members can have accountability for their role in the process, uh, their own accountability. Also, maybe we need to be tied into that or we have our own as practice owners and doctors. And also so that we can course correct or even better, celebrate when we need to, when these, when the data points show us that we need to put some countermeasures in place or course correct, great. But if we're doing really well, we wanna take the time to acknowledge the team members who've been putting in the effort and making that happen. So there's a yeah. lot of reasons why monitoring this is really important. Okay, beep, beep, beep. that's the back up the bus noise. So, okay, I wanna go back to this because you, you coach a lot of practices. Let's just talk about the existence of the periodontal protocol. Because in some practices, it's like Bigfoot. We've talked about it. I think it exists. We don't know. Is there really in, I don't know, we're going to guess here, but like how many people actually have a periodontal protocol that's written? I would venture to say very few. So from my own personal experience as a hygienist over the years, I can't remember a practice I joined that had an established periodontal protocol when I joined the practice. And then when I look at coaching and the teams that I have had exposure to, most of those teams have none or something they've tried to develop on their own and they really need some help getting it growing, getting it where it's really actionable. So I would say, gosh, if I had to put a percent on it, it would be it would be a really low percentage of the number of offices that truly have a documented and aligned periodontal protocol in their practice, which is why we did that previous podcast around the strategies to help make that happen in your practice. But again, if we put that into place and we don't monitor for its success, then what's the point? Yeah. And our job is to help you. So if you're a dentist listening, a couple things I want you to think about. If it isn't written down, it doesn't exist. It's in your head, which is the worst place to put anything. Number two, a good friend of ours, Rachel Wall says this, Like one of my favorite things she does in a lecture is she's like, okay, tell me what you believe about perio. So everybody gets all fired up and and then she makes, she stops everyone in her tracks with this question. And I love it. So what do you do that supports what you just said? And you could hear crickets, you know? So what we want to help you do is cross that chasm because everybody has beliefs on perio. It's taking that and putting that into a document and a protocol and sharing it and making sure that the KPIs support it, right? Absolutely. And Rachel Ball is actually, she helped me a lot early in my career with uh, when I was trying to figure out how to establish a periodontal protocol. So yes, what she says resonated with me as someone in that room saying, oh, I do believe that about disease and I learned this and I learned that and I see this in my patients, but we're not doing this day in and day out. And so from my own personal experience, um, I worked in a practice that when I joined the practice, it was 2% perio. And that's when I started looking into how, I was the only hygienist there. How do I make a periodontal program? And by the time I left the practice about three and a half years later, um, we were at 22% perio. 
So it's just a matter of sitting down and aligning and really creating that philosophy in the practice and being putting strategy into how are we going to identify health in this practice? And then what are we gonna do to treat anything that's not health so that we're all doing it the same in a way that is the most optimal care for our patients? I love it. I love it. And so there's so many thoughts I have. We got to stick to the agenda or else this is going to be a two hour podcast. But the thing that you have to understand as a dentist or running any business is that alignment is key. And so you're exposed to a lot of wonderful education, but you don't bring everybody on that journey with you. You think they have it all figured out because you saw it somewhere. And whether you have one hygienist, which is usually pretty easy to calibrate or align, now you've got a second and a third. You got another one that works part time, and now you're splintered in every direction. So bringing everybody together in a document is so key. So, Miranda, let's say I'm listening to the podcast, I've downloaded your notes, I got a good start. What's the first KPI I need? So the first thing that we're going to measure is our periodontal visit percentage. Now, a lot of our clients and coaching clients have dental intel. And so this helps us do that pretty easily. But you can do this manually as well, or just printing reports within your practice management software. And what that is, is the percentage of patients that are seen by the hygienist within a given period of time, whatever time frame you select. Generally, we're looking at it weekly or monthly when we're reporting on that. So what percentage of patients that the hygienist is seeing are periodontal patients? So we're going to look at profies, the D110, separate from all of those 4,000 codes. And this is where you talked about, I have codes on my cheat sheet here. The codes that go into that periodontal percentage are, are D4355, uh, the gross debridement, uh, D4346, the gingivitis therapy, because technically a patient's not diagnosed with periodontal disease when we're using that code, but they're not healthy. And it is still technically a perio code by way of how we uh, classify it. The D4910, so periodontal maintenance patients. And then the quadrant codes, uh, the periodontal therapy codes, D4341 and D4342. And in Dental Intel, which you can also customize this in your own software, would be your implant maintenance codes or your implant therapy codes like the D6080 and D6081. Yeah. So what percentage of the patients that the hygienist has seen, say within a given month of those patients, how many were a periodontal procedure that was performed? Right. Now, the first thing is coding them correctly. So if you're if, if you're driving, so I got, I was telling Miranda, so I had a few people texting me like, this is great. And they were driving. I'm like, dude, focus on the road. Okay. So if you heard those codes go by and you're like, what were they? Again, just go down to the download and you'll see Miranda wrote them all out. So we have to make sure that we enter them correctly. That's a big deal. Don't you think? Can you speak That's to that? Oh my gosh, that's such a huge deal. And I'm glad you brought that up. I was actually talking to one of my teams about this recently and they have a periodontal protocol in place and we're about to hit kind of a 2.0 and take it to the next level um, because there's still some opportunities that I think are being missed with how they're, how they're seeing patients. And so a lot of people, like we talked about in our previous podcast, are doing uh, periodontal services and gingivitis therapy and coding it as a profi. So it really does start with coding for what we're truly doing you know, putting out a, a treatment plan, talking with our patient about this, the difference in this type of cleaning or hygiene services than what they're used to with preventative nature. So really putting the appropriate codes on the services that we're providing. 
I love it. So you and I are big fans of progress, not perfect. But I'll tell you what you're going to do as a dentist. You're going to go back and you're going to look at these codes and you're going to get mad. You're going to go, and it might not be great, but that's where you start. So Miranda, what if I go back and it's not where it should be? Like I take a lot of education. This is too low for my practice. What do I do? Absolutely. If you're at 0%, 2% perio, like I was telling you, my practice I joined was 2% perio. If I had thought I was going to get to the benchmark of 35, 40% perio in the first six months, that would have been crazy. I want to go from 2% perio to 4% perio, 4% perio to maybe 7% perio. Now, as time goes on and you're working a periodontal protocol over time and it gets more established and your team gets more comfortable having the conversations with patients, the business team gets more comfortable with handling objections around the treatment plans. You're going to see that gap increase larger each time. You might start with 2% increase, but eventually you might go from 7 to 12 or yeah. 12 to 18, yeah. right? 18 to 29, right? That gap will start to increase over time as the confidence and knowledge within the team improves over time. Absolutely. And it has multiple, you know, benefits. Number one, when you go from zero to two or three, Number one, think about this. Your patients are getting healthier. They just are. Number two, your production is growing in hygiene. You don't even know why sometimes. Number three, we talked about this in the previous podcast that we did on this. When your 4,000 codes grow, so do your restorative ones because overall you're creating more value. It's We could go on and on and on. So start somewhere and just look for progress. That's a big part of what you do as a coach. You go in and you're always mapping out. You work with some amazing practices. And no matter where we start, the next quarter, we're just going to tweak this, right? Give us some thinking behind how you coach a practice with that. Yeah, the, the biggest factor, and you're exactly right, I have some awesome teams, so shout out to all my teams, and all of them that are working on this right now, the biggest thing is just celebrating and helping them stay motivated with the small accomplishments. Um, I have a team right now that's, again, they start at 0%, and when we did our last check-in for the weekly me- um, numbers, they were at 3%, and we're going to talk about periodontal acceptance rate in just a minute as well, that was 100%. So they went from no patients to, you know, three patients being diagnosed this week. All three of them accepted treatment. So we had to stop and really celebrate that progress. Three patients might not seem like a lot if you have an active patient count of 4,000, but three patients being treated optimally for their disease state and your team feeling comfortable and confident, we have to celebrate that growth. And that means next time the growth is going to double because now they're more motivated. I love it. I absolutely love it. And before we go to the next one, I want you to go back to, you said the benchmark 35%. Can you explain that? Absolutely. So when we look at our community, our culture, um, we look at research, we know that based on age differentials, the research is a little different, but over half of the population has some form of periodontal disease, gum disease, gingivitis and or active disease. And as we get older, 65 and above, that number goes up into the high 60s, um, in some research, even the 70 percentile. So if what we're looking for is how do we reflect in our practice on our patient population, that same level of care. And so the benchmark is going to sit around 35 percent. And that will vary. Um, I know that's a dental intel benchmark, and we do work with them pretty exclusively with a lot of our coaching clients. There's some people who would argue that that benchmark is 40 to 60 percent. Kind of depends on your your geographic area, 
um, access to care. There's different things that come into play, but certainly 35% is a solid benchmark to start from. Yeah, it's brilliant. So just a, a little bit more clarity on what Miranda said. We work very closely with Dental Intel. And so they give us industry benchmarks. They'll take certain KPIs and they let us know over 10,000 installs they have these are where the metrics show up for the bottom 10%. These are where the metrics are for the average practices across the board. And this is the top performing practices at 10%. So when we get these charts, our goal is to pass this along to you so you can use it and you can know where you're at. And so if you're in the middle or in the bottom, don't worry about it. Like start somewhere. At least you know where the best practices are. This whole show is called the Best Practices Show. We're going to teach you best practices and show you what the best practices do. And your job is to do the work. And when you can't do the work, we're here to help. So I love it. So Miranda, what is KPI number two? So the second KPI you're going to want to monitor is your periodontal diagnostic percentage. So what that means is it's the patients that were seen for hygiene that were diagnosed for new periodontal treatment. So new codes that are those 4,000 codes, the same ones that I mentioned before. So a patient comes in for care. You have eight patients today and two of them were treatment planned for a 4,000 code, maybe one of them for gingivitis therapy and one of them for quadrant periodontal therapy. And so we're gonna look at out of those patients, like what percentage of the patients that I saw in any given period of time were diagnosed with new periodontal treatment codes. Okay, so this is really key. Um, and then I just have, I have so many questions. One of them is, okay, so Miranda, you're gonna ask me to track these. Do I track them or do I have my hygienist track them? Oh, that's a great question. So I think it's really important for the hygienist to track them. Uh, the accountability really comes back to that team member. First, making sure that the team members who are going to be asked to track these numbers are part of the strategy around why. Why are we tracking them? They really have to have the buy-in. Otherwise, this is just a chore or a task that you're giving them. But when the hygienist is responsible for monitoring that, they're going to be paying closer attention to the outcome. They're going to be thinking more mindfully about it throughout the day and thinking to themselves like, you know, at the end of the day, if they're tracking day after day or week after week, what can I do? Because, oh man, I was at 2% this week, but Michelle was at 22% this week. Maybe I need to get with Michelle and figure out what she's doing that I'm not doing. So there's a level of accountability when the hygienist is the person tracking those numbers. Yeah. So again, we, we take a lot of education and our coach, Jamie, shared this quote with me, and this will relate to what you're going to talk about. She said, uh, the signature of mediocre leaders is they're chronically inconsistent. Now, when she said that, like I had chest pain because I was like, <laughs> I always try to be a great leader, try to create a great business. And then I looked not only at my leadership, but like how we did things in the past, some of the protocols. And so what you're talking about, Miranda, is establishing a new periodontal protocol in the office. It, you can talk about efficacy. You can talk about consistency. Can you speak to there's, again, multiple benefits to going down this path? Absolutely. So when you're looking at your periodontal visit alone, that's just telling you one piece of the picture. What we need to be looking at is, okay, well, how do we make that grow? Well, let's look at how often are we making this diagnosis? And if we can see that that number is maintaining relatively low, or maybe it has a spike, ooh, what did we do last week when we had that spike? So that we can improve our efficiency with more diagnosis and more acceptance. These numbers are gonna follow suit with your perio visit initially. 
Like when oh. you're first implementing a periodontal protocol program and you're at 1% in terms of your perio visit percentage, this number is also going to be relatively low because you're not really diagnosing perio right now. Right. But as we start to diagnose more perio and this diagnostic number goes up, then over time, as we schedule those appointments, that visits percentage is going to go up as well. And so they really all tie into each other. But the consistency of monitoring it and really ideally monitoring it at weekly team meetings, reporting to each other, checking in with each other so that we can see ourselves along the way and not waiting till month's end and looking backwards and like, wouldn't have been nice to know if halfway through the month, I wasn't anywhere near where I needed to be. Right. So if we're looking at that weekly, um, monthly at minimum, then we can start to make those changes that we need with the efficiency of the protocols to try to improve over time. Right. And these numbers do tell a story. So speak to this, you know, help me set my expectations if I'm a listener. So Miranda, my periodontal visit percentage is not very high. And so is it. So let's say it starts to grow and let's say one grows and the other doesn't grow or they don't grow as fast. Diagnostically, you can dig a little bit deeper to see, we talked about stages of change. You can actually ask your team members, you know, help me understand what you understand about this and we can figure out how to make them healthy together, right? Yeah. If your periodontal visit percentage is doing great, you're up to 10% now. And then all of a sudden it levels off. I bet if you look at your periodontal diagnostic percentage as of late, it's gone down. Because if we're not diagnosing new perio, that visit number, that overall periodontal percentage is going to decline. So they do have a direct correlation, which feeds into our, our other KPI as well. But you can't really look at just one and really tell how healthy your protocol is. You have to look at all three of them together to get the whole picture. All right. So that begs the question, what is number three? <laughs> so the third one is periodontal acceptance percentage. So what that one is, is the number of those patients that we diagnosed with gingivitis or some form of periodontal disease and treatment planned those 4,000 codes, how many of those patients commenced with all or at least part of the treatment that we recommended? So what was the acceptance percentage from those patients of moving forward with that treatment that we recommended? Yeah. And you can see how those tie in with each other. So it might be important to see like, great, we our diagnostic percentage as much was 20%. Like that's huge. We did awesome diagnosing perio. But if our perio acceptance percentage was four, <laughs> are we doing a good job relaying the value in what we're recommending or are we just doing it and checking the box? Now, if we're 100%, that's awesome. We're killing it. Every single patient that we treatment planned for periodontal therapy this month proceeded with treatment. Like we must be doing something right. Let's celebrate that and talk about what we did this month to make that happen. Yeah. I think we should probably add some definition to acceptance. Yes. Like people, do, people don't, it's well, you stay with us. Cause we get to hear all this. People are like, well, everyone accepts everything. Well, maybe we should define acceptance. So if I'm listening, how do you define acceptance? They scheduled. Okay. They scheduled so something, something got put into the schedule from that treatment plan. So if I treatment planned um, four quadrants of periodontal therapy for a patient and they scheduled for their first quadrant of therapy, that's considered the patient accepting. Now there's two different ways you can measure this and to get too complex, we should probably be careful, but you can measure it by the dollar amount. You can measure it by like, I treatment planned $20,000 of periodontal therapy and $10,000 of periodontal therapy got scheduled. 
Right. In the very beginning, when periodontal protocols are newer to teams, I like to focus on patient acceptance first because it's an easier measurement to understand and wrap your head around. And sometimes when it's new to our teams, it's also that means it's new to our patients. Right. We haven't been talking about this. And so them accepting even one quadrant is a big deal. And then we can work through the experience of that first quadrant, building more value. They're not scared anymore because we kept them nice and comfortable. And then they're going to proceed with scheduling the rest of that treatment. So when it comes to really breaking down acceptance, it's that that patient that we treatment planned scheduled for something off of that treatment plan, at least got started with that treatment plan. Yeah, this is brilliant. I love this stuff so much. Great job, Marina. Another thought that I have as a dentist who's listening to this, this is a great podcast that you can just send to your team members and say, hey, I was inspired by this. Not as a punitive thing. Don't do that. Like, just say, hey, look, I was inspired by this or there's some good thoughts. Can you guys listen to this? And maybe in a month, let's have a conversation about it because most dentists don't really communicate very well when it comes to some of these things. I shouldn't say most, there's some, but this is a great way to create some common language, you know, some common energy around this. This is so awesome. I, oh, Another ahead. point to that too, real quick is I have teams and I know they're not the only ones out there that the doctor's doing the initial right. periodontal assessment and diagnosing and treatment planning and discussing that with the patients. They see the doctor for their new patient visit. So these periodontal protocols are going to be built into your new patient experience, but they're also built into your existing patient experience, those recare visits. So that's your hygienist for sure. And in a lot of offices, the hygienist also does see the new patient. So it would be built in there as well. But I don't want to miss out on mentioning that there are doctors who perform the new patient evaluation. They perform the full mouth periodontal charting. They sit the patient up and go over those findings with them. They're talking about the value of what's next and treatment planning. And so we have to also know that the doctors, this information is really important to them as well. And in some offices, it might be the doctors or their assistants that are tracking this data around acceptance because it might be them that is yeah. having to develop that. Great point. Great point. Go back to this too. Let's take periodontal acceptance percentage and just connect it, you know, wrap it together with diagnostic percentage so I can get my brain around this. Um because by itself, it doesn't tell a story. Can you explain that? Sure. Again, these really all fit together in a bubble, but the diagnostic percentage and the acceptance percentage probably feed in the most. If you're just looking at acceptance percentage, you're going, great, we were at 100% this week. We killed it with patient acceptance for our periodontal procedures. But if we're not looking at diagnostic percentage, is that that we diagnosed 50% of our patients with perio and 100% accepted? Or did we diagnose one patient with perio and that one patient accepted? So if we're just looking at acceptance, we're missing the piece of how big is the exposure, which is where that diagnostic percentage comes into play. In the same way that if we're just looking at how many did we diagnose, what percentage did we diagnose, but not looking at how many of those actually move forward with treatment, we're only getting a piece of the picture. Those two really go closely together. I love it. And so when it comes to periodontal acceptance percentage, what's the benchmark? What are your thoughts? As high as possible, 100%. Well, I, okay. <laughs> no, I, I, sh I shoot for high goals. 
I want 100% of my patients that I'm recommending, you know, perio care to move forward. But we have to do just like we have with anything else. Where are we starting? Where are we starting at? Are we starting at zero? Right. You know, we, we don't have a periodontal protocol and we're starting from scratch. Um, then we might start a little bit lower because we know our team's not as confident yet presenting that. We know our right. business team hasn't really worked through how they handle presenting the, the investment and handling the objections around it. So maybe our percentage starts at we'd like to have at least half move forward. And by next month, we want to be at 70%. And by the next month, 80%. And eventually, my goal would be all of the patients that you're recommending treatment to are moving forward because they have the value. You've set up easy systems for them to be able to pay for this investment if they're stuck there. There's really no question. They're asking for it and they want it and they're all ready to go. Yeah. And speak to this because, again, we train so many awesome team members and some of them will say this to us, you know, I'm a hygienist. I, di I didn't take any sales courses. I didn't sign up for this. When patients say no, it doesn't mean no forever. It might just be not right now. You know, can you speak to that? Because we get in our heads. Oh, I talked to Mrs. Finelli about this like a year ago. How do you how do you reframe that? So you always say this could be like a whole nother podcast and it really could. <laughs> so write that down. Maybe that'll be in the future. Right. Uh, for me, a big piece of it is it's around value. And are we having the right type of conversation with the patient? So are we making sure that we're or helping them to discover this disease process with us so that they want treatment? versus us telling them they need it. So that's a that's a piece of it. Um, but then also, when this isn't something that we're used to implementing, our patients aren't used to hearing it, if we're talking about existing patients that now that we've identified health in this practice, I'm looking in Mrs. Jones' mouth. I've been seeing Mrs. Jones every six months for the last seven years. How am I gonna tell her that she has active gum disease when she's been coming to see me twice a year for seven years to prevent gum disease. And there's a piece with the hygienist, again, could be a separate podcast, that's a level of guilt or denial around that, that we were a part of kind of allowing this to happen. And I really wanna encourage hygienists to not go down that path. You know what you know, and you're working with the best pieces of information that you have at the time that you're making those decisions. And then once you have the ability and the intention around learning and knowing more, okay, now we have to do something different. So to what you were just saying, when you have a patient in that situation, let's just plant the seed. Maybe today is just planting the seed, starting to explore the things that we're looking for that feel outside of normal limits. Start to encourage your patients to try a little bit of this at home to see what you can do. Let's check again, but I'd like to see you in three months instead of six next time, because this is getting a little outside of my scope of where I'm comfortable. Let's have you back a little sooner. Maybe at the next visit, now they've already been thinking, man, I'm not exactly healthy like I thought I was for the last seven years. And when they come in for this next visit, now we can move forward with really presenting treatment and they're more on board. It's not as much of a shock to their system. So there's, there's different ways you have to approach it based on the patient in the chair, a new patient, go for it. An existing patient's gonna be a little bit trickier. Yeah, I am totally picking up what you're putting down because you do have to give yourself a little grace. You know, you know what you know, it's okay. And uh, we totally geek out on this because we get all this great education. So Katrina Sanders was here last week and she said this. I never thought of it like this. She said, you got to just immerse yourself in the education and at some point change your brain from suggestion to prescription. And she described mm -hmm. like what we do is so valuable for people. You got to 
You got to move away from, well, this is a suggestion for a better, you're not suggesting paint colors here. You're (laughs) writing prescriptions for a better health. And it's okay if not everybody agrees with your prescription, but you, you, you have the solution. And you have to and think your like responsibility. It. They're coming to you right. as the expert, as the expert. And so you have the responsibility of letting them know their level of health or their level of disease in the same way that you go to your medical doctor and you want them to tell you if your blood work is showing that there's something going on that's not normal. You would you'd be upset if your doctor didn't tell you that they saw signs and symptoms of something that could be devastating to your health. And so a big thing that I see, and and I have experienced this myself early on in my career, you feel like you're delivering bad news. You feel like you're giving someone this negative piece of information when really you are offering them an opportunity to be healthier. You're offering them an opportunity to be accountable for their health. And so in the same way that you were just saying, Katrina mentions mindset, it's a mindset shift. And it's reducing the minimizing language. We've talked about that on some podcasts before. You're you're kind of on the, on the verge of having some gum disease here. I'm seeing a little bit of bleeding. And using those terms of bacteria and infection and disease. Um, I actually, uh, years ago, Dr. Sam Lau, I was doing a course with him and he said, I tell patients your jawbone is deteriorating away from around your teeth. And we were like, that is intense. Do you really say that? Yes, because that's what's happening. And I'm like, okay. And I had another hygiene friend, little tidbit, who used to say that you you have active disease and your body is trying to shed the source, which is your teeth. And so we have to reverse that disease state and the biofilm and the calculus on your teeth. So your body will stop trying to shed those teeth. And I'm like, this is some intense language compared to, I see a little bleeding. We probably need to floss a little bit more and see what happens next time. So having that confidence and sharing with our patients that this is an opportunity for us to minimize those risks. Like, I don't want you to lose teeth. I don't want you to have an increased risk for heart condition. I don't want you to struggle managing your diabetes because you've been sharing with me that that's been a struggle with you. Your, your A1C has been up and down and this can correlate. I don't know if you know that. I want to give you an opportunity to do some therapy here with with me, with this practice, so that we can help you be healthier. That's not bad news. Oh, my gosh. You are just provoking so many of my (laughs) thoughts from the past. So Sam Lau, who's going to be back on the podcast, I saw him for the first time at the Panky Institute. I never heard fence posts in the dirt. And he describes this whole, I was... I was so uncomfortable when he was going through this. I was like, ah, and then that was also, I think I was 25 at the time. He said, you never treat perio. And he paused. He's like, you can only manage it. Now, I'd never heard anybody say that before. But but the point is this. Once you get exposed to great education, you can't unhear that. You know, it changes. It might start with words, but eventually it changes the way you think and how you communicate and the value you create for other human beings. Yeah, think about, think if it's your family member. This is your your mom, your brother, your sister, your best friend in the chair. Wouldn't you want them to have an opportunity to not go down this path of disease and destruction? So let's offer this person the opportunity that's in our chair, just like you would someone that you care about. It's just a matter of like we talked about last time, and I know you referenced, and we'll, if you ha- if you didn't listen to the last podcast around the strategies, a lot of this just comes down to confidence and making sure we have 
an environment and the skills that we need verbally to have these conversations with our patients. And once we develop those and put them into practice, you're not gonna be great at it when you get started, but you will slowly get better and better over time. And all of these numbers that we're talking about today are going to improve over time as you feel more confident as a provider to, to have the conversations and to build your knowledge base. You're seeking, you're coming to the Katrina course, you're learning new information and those numbers will rise with that. Yeah, okay. So Miranda, I'm listening. I've downloaded the notes. I've listened to the previous podcast. I sent the podcast to my hygiene team. We're working on it. We're measuring the numbers. The numbers are not great. One of the things that we talk about here at Act Dental are countermeasures. Can you help me understand what a countermeasure is? And then how do I use it as I look at these three numbers? Sure. Countermeasures are things that you can do to correct course. Things that you can do. We need to either stop doing this and start doing this. Or like, pause that for now. We're going to try this instead. What are we going to do differently? Because what the numbers are showing us is what we're doing isn't working. So what's, what's a countermeasure? What's something else that we can do, start or stop, that's going to help to improve these numbers over time, to improve more patients having access to care? And so for this in particular, for these KPIs, it kind of goes back to those strategies. Let's revisit. What's our hygiene philosophy? Maybe we all, you know, we talked about stages of change. Maybe we all understood our hygiene philosophy the first go round, but none of us really accepted or became committed to really owning it. Let's go back to that then and talk about it and make sure we're all on board and we're committed to this philosophy for our patients. What about uh, identifying patients' health? We talked last time on the podcast about step one can just be, what does a healthy periodontal patient look like in our practice? Document that all of the hygiene team and or doctors that are making these diagnoses come together and agree that this is what healthy looks like. Maybe we need to sit back down again and revisit what we agreed healthy looks like to put that back in the front of our minds so that when we're evaluating patients throughout the day, because let's be honest, we get busy, we just check the boxes, we go through the motions, keep it in the front of your mind that you're looking for, is this patient healthy? Is this patient healthy? Is this patient healthy all day long? And if they're not, what am I doing? Right. Um, the other things are the other strategies we talked about. Utilizing your software and technology to the best of your ability to make sure that you're using imaging uh, to share with the patient. So if we're talking about patient acceptance, maybe we've diagnosed it and and we haven't had the acceptance. So let's look at how we're how we're sharing that information with our patients. Are they looking at the pictures with us or are we just talking behind their back? Are we telling them, while we're scaling because we're in such a hurry? Or do we sit them up when we're finished with our periodontal evaluation and we show them the chart and the bleeding points and the photos that we took with the inflammation and the calculus that we can see? So we have to look at all of those strategies that we put into place to develop the protocols. And then what are we doing with them now or what should we change about them? And that happens too. We work with teams where we put something into place and then they start using it and go like, I don't think this is quite right. Great. Let's alter it. Let's adjust it. What do we need to do differently? Right. And part of it is you have to create the environment where people can challenge you, can challenge the information. And so, you know, the trust and collaboration is really important. You've got to set the tone for, look, we're going to learn together. And it's okay if it's not perfect as we move forward, right? 
Yeah, absolutely. If you're if you're coming to a team meeting and, you know, on our scorecards, we, we gauge things in red and green. And if you have a lot of red around these periodontal KPIs and you're just saying like, hi, Janice, like I'm done with this. I don't want to see any more red on this scorecard. You need to get it together. <laughs> Promise you that red's going to get worse. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. We have to approach it as a team. Okay. We're seeing consistently that we're not where we want to go in terms of our growth with this. Having an open, trusting communication in our team meetings where we can, when you talk about vulnerable based trust, we can admit as a hygienist, I can say, you know, I know what my what my issue is with this. I know why my diagnosis rate is so low. I still don't know if I fully understand staging and grading. I know we started implementing that in the practice, but it's it's big for me. And I'm I think I'm kind of there, but I don't think I'm fully there. So sometimes I just revert back to what I was doing before and I, I bring them back in three months. You have to be comfortable enough as a hygienist with an environment. Your leader has to create an environment in the practice where you can say that in that group setting and everyone rallies around you to help you get back on track, which might mean we need some more continuing education, right? That's right. another countermeasure. How do we make sure our team has the knowledge base that they need to have confidence in diagnosing and talking about periodontal disease with their patients. 100%. And I was just thinking about that. You know, the education piece, I don't think you can ever stop the education on perio. No one ever goes, yeah, I'm there. No, it's a moving target. There's so much to learn. There's so much additional research. There's so much good stuff verbal skill wise. And as you were saying that, I was thinking the Katrina course that we have here in Milwaukee, it is so good that we're getting her locked in for the next two years. Cause by the time we know her before she became famous, that's the way I, I told her last time. I'm like, remember the small people in the world? Like when you become really famous now, here's why I say that because there are so many doctors that are really sharp. They've done a lot of great continuing education as a team, as individuals on this subject. And even some of our best are like, wow, that really twisted my brain today. And I learned so much, you know, cause Chris was calling out, Who's got this many pages of notes? And people had like 20 some pages of notes. So my point is this, don't ever stop learning what ideal periodontal health looks like and the verbal skills and the coding and the understanding because you only bring everybody on a better journey. So come to the Katrina course. It, it sells out so far in advance. We'll put a link. Uh, come check it out. I promise you, you'll love it. It's fun too. So. Yeah, you have to be your own advocate in that this is enough. This is what I'll speak to the hygienist for real, just a moment. Don't wait either for your doctor right. to send you to a course. That would be great. So doctors, if you want to send your hygienist to a course, that's awesome. Uh, send them to Katrina or what's, you know, whatever you feel like fits what you guys are trying to do. But hygienists, don't wait for your doctor. The number of hygienists that I know who say, well, I haven't done anything but online CE because my doctor doesn't send us. Well, you could send yourself, you can sign up for anything that you want to sign up for and go. It is your career. It's your license. It's your growth that's going to be affected. Why is that someone else's responsibility? That's how I look at it. When I had a patient in my chair about eight years into being a hygienist who had a hybrid, I'd never seen one before, a fixed upper denture on implants. And I asked them to take out their denture so I could go put it in the ultrasonic. And they're like, oh, it doesn't come out. Well, what do you mean it doesn't come out? It doesn't come out. It's screwed onto my implants. Well, how am I supposed to clean that then? I was clueless. And right then and there, it lit a fire. I was like, I have to figure out how to do this. I wasn't going to settle with, I don't know how to manage that. And that's that. 
I had to go seek out information. There wasn't a lot of it at the time, courses and information. I had to travel to find implant courses that were teaching me as a hygienist how to manage that type of patient. I didn't learn that in school. I had never seen it before. I was taught what implants were, not what to do when you have four of them that are covered in calculus and screwed into a denture that doesn't come out, right? So I just encourage hygienists to to not wait on someone else to do that for you, but believe in yourself enough to invest in yourself and keep growing and learning. Brilliant. So well said. That was awesome. That was awesome. So what are your final takeaways? Any last thoughts you have on these KPIs? So final thoughts. You have to look at all three of these numbers together. Don't choose just one of them and say, that's going to be what we do the basis of everything off of. Now, if if you had to look at just one, perio visit might be the best one to look at independently. But I, I say, look at all three of them combined to really see the whole picture. Um, also use these numbers to create some incentive or competition within your team. I know you often say like, hang it in the break room, you know, put, uh, put, you know, like we're doing a fundraiser and there's the thermometer and like the red is going up the thermometer, like do something fun within your practice. And it's like, when we all get to, to this number, we're going to have a team lunch or something to keep your team motivated day after day when they're caught up in the in just drudge of like patient after patient to keep it front of mind and motivated. And if you have individual hygienists, multiple hygienists, and they're tracking this data, uh, there's a lot of friendly competition that can come into play within the practice when you have a nice, healthy, trust-based practice where, again, I want to, I want, I always reference Michelle. She's one of my favorite hygienists I've worked with for years. I want to beat Michelle this month. I want more patients getting optimal care out of my room than out of her room this month. How do I do it? Because she's a rock star. And you start to develop a little healthy competition and some incentive for your team to want to keep going. That is so true. So true. Well, and the incentive for most hygienists, like I said last time too, is these patients are their friends. I don't know many hygienists who don't go into hygiene because they care about people and they enjoy making connections and building relationships. These are connections. These are friends in their chair. And you're helping more and more and more of them as you watch those numbers rise. I love it. There are people that fix teeth and there are people that change lives. It's a different way. And talk about the want versus need. You know, at the end of the day, talk about that. Yeah. So at at the end of the day, if you tell them what they need versus helping them to discover that they want this for themselves, you're not going to see the growth potential that you could see if you shift that approach and that mindset. So that goes back into that traditional approach of we don't even tell them what we're doing when we go into perio chart. We just start doing it. And they're laying in the chair thinking, well, she's stabbing me again. Oh, I taste blood. Of course I do. She's stabbing me. Why wouldn't I? Versus having a conversation before you get started, letting the patient know this is what we're going to be doing, patient. This is what I want you to listen for. This is what I want you to feel for so that they're a part of that process. Having a conversation with them afterwards where they're sitting up eye to eye, knee to knee, using the technology, looking together. You're not talking about it to someone else who's poking something in the computer behind their head and then sitting them up and saying, you really need this. And then they go up front and it's $1,000 and my insurance isn't going to take care of any of it, if not part of it. And they're just like, I don't even know what you what I'm doing. Right. We have to build value and take the time to bring them into the conversation so that they're asking, oh, my gosh, I have to do something about this. What can we do? 
I am so glad you asked. I have a plan and I can help you. Because if you want it and they don't, they're not going to move forward. They have to want it. Miranda, brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. So well done. So thank you for being on today, as always. Thank you so much for having me. You know I love this. Oh, I love it. I love it. We're going to keep bringing more and more good stuff. Again, we geek out on all this stuff. We coach so many practices all over. We get to learn from them. We also get to see the best stuff about what's working. So again, I'm going to encourage you to do a couple things. Um, number one, go back and listen to the previous podcast. Download the cheat sheets below. Check them out. And if you still have questions, feel free to reach out to us. We are always here to help. So uh, keep sending us. Do us a favor to also, too. If you guys enjoyed today, which I know you did, do us a favor. Just hit the share button. I love it when you guys do that. Here's what that does. It spreads the word. We love this stuff so much. And we love this profession so much that we're going to keep bringing great information so all of you can create a better practice and a better life. So keep spreading the word. So until we see you guys next time or you hear from us next time, keep watching or keep listening to the best practices show. You guys enjoy your day. So there you have it. Another great episode. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Hey, and thank you for showing up. I just want to thank you for being here and sharing the good word with your friends. And if you're really enjoying the podcast, could you do me a favor? Could you go to wherever you consume the podcast and just give us a four or five star review? Here's what that does. It allows us to find other great people like you. I love this profession so much. I'm going to spend the rest of my professional life finding great information so that you can consume it and your friends can consume it so that you can create a better practice and a better life. So keep spreading the word and we will see you guys soon. Have a great day, everybody.